0: Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Tonight I want to welcome back to the show Jay Dyer. Jay is a public speaker, lecturer, comedian, and author of the popular titles Esoteric Hollywood, Sex, Cults, and Symbols in Film, which made it to Amazon's number one spot in the first month of release in the film and Hollywood category, and Esoteric Hollywood Two. He has appeared on numerous nationally syndicated radio and television shows. And he is the co-host and co-creator with Jay Widener of the TV show Hollywood Decoded on Gaia TV. Jay, welcome back. How are you doing tonight?
1: Doing great, man. Thanks for having me back. It's good to be here. How are you?
0: I'm good, and thanks for coming back. I've been looking forward to this. Um, I've always been a fan of cinema and TV shows, (laughs) And, of course, as I've gotten older and started looking into things, you, you get to realize, you know, Hollywood media is used as a tool for brainwashing, indoctrination, culture creation, but it's also really entertaining. Um, right. What got you started down this? What uh, got you started down your path here?
1: Uh, I started when I was in a college. I think, yeah, we talked about that last time. I, I just, I, well, I mean, I always like movies, but I realized that I wasn't going to be a movie star probably. So, uh, I thought maybe I could try comedy. And then I realized that, uh, comedy and movies and all that entertainment stuff requires quite a bit of uh, compromise. I think human compromise, that kind of stuff to get, uh, to where you're successful. Not everybody, but maybe in, in many cases, especially the A-list level or whatever. So, um, I decided to look at movies from more of a philosophical standpoint. So when I went to college, I studied philosophy. Studied. So uh, Intelligence operations, in terms of um, Ian Fleming and James Bond and all that in my grad school period, and so I always was trying to tie things back into to movies, um, so I always wanted to do film, always wanted to be in movies so so that's the root of how I got started, and then I just continued with that all throughout college and then after college just been blogging and
0: here I am very good. Um- it seems like the more time that passes in film I see more occult symbolism I see more of the transhumanism agenda um, it seems like it's, it's kind of taken over everything uh, and Netflix with it being the monster that it is now everything that I'm flipping through it's either robots transhumanism occult witchcraft um, do you see these same trends going on right now
1: yeah. I can't believe how open it is. Like I remember, you know, 10 years ago when I would study this kind of stuff, I thought it would be crazy to talk about say the relationship between the CIA and Hollywood. And I was just 10 years ago starting to stumble on those connections and and kind of blog about it <clears throat> from more of an academic standpoint, not just theories, but actually, you know, reading a few of the works that were out at that time that covered it. And I noticed a lot of the occult stuff too. I'd read a lot of books on cults in my twenties and, New Age cults and that kind of stuff, and so you start to notice that stuff in film and, and I, I realize that that well they're subtly kind of throwing in you know square and compass and this kind of stuff all kinds of uh, Masonic imagery in movies um, but what's really blown me away is the outright sort of the satanic type stuff that's come out like you said the witchcraft stuff especially. Uh, in the last few years, you know, with Sabrina, the teenage witch, it's gone from this goofy Melissa Joan Hart thing in the '90s to being like hardcore, you know, straight up satanic type stuff. And I think that's absolutely um, on purpose; is totally an agenda, and it has to do, I believe, with from the esoteric perspective, the idea that we're entering into a new aeon, a new age of. The revelation of the method of all things being, ex, the, the esoteric is becoming es, uh, exoteric, basically.
0: And uh, part of this agenda, it seems like, in a way, they're reversing the roles of men and women or trying to just make men more feminine right. um, and just get rid of gender uh, altogether, it seems. The Baphomet image, I think, is part of that because it has both genders.
1: And the idea is that there's, uh, in in ancient Hermeticism and even in Greek philosophers, there's the idea that the original unity was above division, above genders. And so the assumption is that there's some kind of higher state that you can attain to if you can transcend male or female, these these either-ors. So the occult tradition or many of the occult traditions the western occult tradition hermetic tradition it goes back to this idea and it wants to achieve a kind of transcendence through the alchemical process and part of the alchemical process is breaking things down in order to build it back up and to merge it so i think that that the overall alchemy to tie this to transhumanism which is the great work is to transcend those dualities and those distinctions which i don't think dualities and distinctions aren't necessarily a bad thing they're they're they can be good they're there for a reason and we're not going to achieve some kind of super transcendence by melding everybody into a giant blob um i just did an analysis of the movie the blob from 1988 and it made me think of this that like that in a way this is kind of what the blob was talking about because if you remember in the movie it's goofy b movie but it has a point that speaks to what you're getting at which is that it's not this thing or that thing male or female it's just a blob and it consumes it just absorbs you into it and it made me think not just of the removal of all distinctions but like the whole idea of the global brain and transhumanism that the idea that we're all going to just kind of merge into this global consciousness that's what it's all about
0: now you were talking about the new era that they're trying to usher in uh, talk a little bit more about that. What is this new era? Um, I know that you know we're supposed to be entering into, I guess it's an, an age of Aquarius where we're uh, leaving a certain uh, age and entering into a more enlightened age. Is that sort of the thing that they're referring to? Yeah, I mean, it
1: kind of differs depending on what esoteric showman is is. Making his predictions, but I mean, sometimes it has to do with they think that oh, it's going to be a new aeon of um, advancing into the trans state, like transcending, like you like we we're talking about any distinctions. And so, that's for some people, it's like you know, technological transhumanism emerging with the AI, for some people, it's the idea of a return to uh, the crown and conquering child of the Krolean aeon. For some people, the idea is that we're growing out of the older religious conceptions of the last 2,000 years. and So they look at it like the ancient Hindus looked at what they called yugas, which a yuga is like a big, long span of time, like thousands of years. So the idea being that we're passing out of the yuga, the, the age of, of Christianity and like the dominance of... Masculinity, and we're moving into something feminine, the goddess, or something that transcends, or what it just depends. It, it differs, you know, depending on which weirdo you read. But, but that's the idea here is that passing through these giant aeons, and the idea being that there's different spirits or different ideas or principles that govern the different aeons. So, like you said, Aquarius, we're passing out of Pisces and into an Aquarian aeon and this goes back to like the 60s and you know all the, the goofus bands in the 60s that were promoting the age of aquarius and whatnot but but i mean they're kind of that's all silly stuff but what what's interesting is that under the veil of all that 60s hippie counterculture stuff actually there was a pretty blatant luciferian agenda especially if you look at somebody like tim leary leary was the devotee of Crowley, and leary was very clear that he was interested in initiating this new aeon uh, in a very Crowleyan way, which would be um, aided, in his case, by the CIA. He's very, he was very open about that. He said, there's a clip of him on YouTube that you should look up. If you haven't seen it. Anyway, he's out there. And he's like, yeah, he says, you can thank the CIA for the whole 60s counterculture.
0: Yeah, definitely, and I, I want to talk about that too. Um, but before we get to that, I want to talk a little bit about the satanic and witchcraft aspect of it. What are what are they trying to come a, get across with this? I mean, are they trying to get us accustomed to witchcraft and Satanism? Um, are they trying to indoctrinate us? That uh, what do you think's going on there?
1: I think there's multiple layers and levels of stuff going on with that, <clears throat> so it's not all one thing per se. I mean, overall, in the, in the big spectrum, I think it's a negative thing. But um, I think this the CIA, for example, has used a lot of different cults. <clears throat> They've infiltrated a lot of different cults over the years. And so there's an aspect to which it, it's a culture creation. And altering the culture can utilize all different kinds of things. So it's not just altering the culture with, um, uh, you know, the 60s stuff. You could look at the satanic stuff as kind of like, the later phases of the 60s counterculture stuff people in the 60s weren't ready for you know outright satanism they were more uh accustomed to kind of the hippie you know stages of stuff and then the more inner core teachings of it uh i think get revealed over time and it becomes darker and darker and darker and we and we see like more and more nihilism more and more uh self-destructive attitudes and whatnot so i think that that's revealing because as degraded as things get that's when we start to see these more and more um openly debased and degenerate types of things being promoted openly and i think it's all by design so there's a lot of different aspects and layers to it um i think that it appeals to a lot of people who are alienated and and maybe feel disenfranchised and lack power so they feel like they can attain power through these kind of alternate means and and modus operandi and really what happens is that a lot of people are being used so they're they're kind of being used in these different groups and a lot of those groups um especially a lot of the occult groups for example they have a lot of like military intelligence connections a lot of military intelligence people are oftentimes involved in these kind of darker cults and that's kind of probably who's in the background of a lot of this dark cult stuff and so they're being used and they don't even realize it uh and that's kind of the unfortunate part so, and I think there is a spiritual element to it too. I'm not trying to say it's all just like military intelligence people, but there's different layers and levels to it, but but uh, ultimately it is spiritual.
0: Yeah. And I want to get into that too. Um, the, um, the fact that the CIA is heavily influencing Hollywood, the Pentagon, the military industrial complex, also the mafia. We've got all these different angles in, uh, influencing Hollywood. Right. Um, the CIA has that been since the onset of you know Hollywood basically that they I mean the onset of the CIA since the, that they've been doing this. Well,
1: um, yeah, I think that prior to the well, like in the early forties, you know there were there were movies that were already kind of hinting at the existence of the OSS. Uh, Hitchcock films would talk about it. Notorious mentions the OSS. Uh, the one of the one of the first mentions of the CIA is the Hitchcock uh, North by Northwest where Cary Grant's character accidentally finds himself tied up in this uh, CIA operation. And it's pretty fairly accurate because uh, Hitchcock pictures the CIA as like a bunch of academics. And that's really where the the CIA came from is it was people at, at the academic level that were recruited called the inquiry uh, prior to the OSS, there was there was an intelligence apparatus, but typically it was it was more connected with the military. Uh, and then in in 1942, you have the uh, creation of the OSS, and then later that becomes the CIA. And the OSS was basically set up by uh, a bunch of British intelligence people, so uh, people from Canada, William Stevenson, people from uh, England like Ian Fleming, British intelligence, uh, Noel Coward, these kind of people. They came over and they helped build on them and set up the OSS. Uh, if you want to watch a movie that actually touches on that, watch The Good Shepherd. It's somewhat accurate. It's Hollywood, obviously, but, uh, you know, it kind of shows the process of how this happened. If you remember, the Matt Damon character goes to England and he meets with some people in a bookstore and they're like, yeah, we're going to set you up and blah, blah, blah. And that's kind of roughly what's going on with, with Bill Donovan is that you have these, these British intelligence people who come and help set up the OSS. And part of the reason for that was that they were wanting to get the U.S. into World War II. So that's part of the reason they were so interested in that was making sure that the the U.S. was on the side of the Allies ready to go to war and no longer uh, kind of staying out of European wars. Um, so in that sense, yes, the intelligence agencies and apparatuses, apparatus or whatever, they were always interested in film from the beginning of the creation of – the camera but it was more so like military propaganda prior to the cia so a lot of um, military type stuff would utilize um, actors and actresses and film footage film reels for propaganda and then when you get the creation of the intelligence agencies it's quite natural that that there would be a close affinity to this giant sort of churning out propaganda machine known as hollywood
0: and also there's a lot of MK Ultra ties to it, um, a lot of mind control aspects. You see um, the involvement of um, psychedelics um, and all this culture creation. Talk a little bit about how all that was involved. Well, one of the things I discovered in the in
1: the second book, um, part two, I start out talking about that very thing. I talk about how uh, a lot of the Hollywood crowd was actually doing the uh, premiere avant garde drugs before the people in the '60s counterculture were. So, for example, Cary uh, Grant was actually tripping acid a decade before any of the this hippies were. So this was kind of a weird thing because so that the, the, these. High-powered drugs were kind of being tested and, and passed around the elite circles. You could say the, the A-listers and so forth uh, in Cary Grant's day, um, and then now whether that was intentionally like an experiment, or I don't know about that. It could just been people partying or and, and or something like that. But regardless, we we see that there's always been this connection between the elite uh, cary grant i think um had uh you know elite uh, connections he was doing spying on the side jimmy stewart did spying on the side errol flynn did spying a lot of these people did uh you know they would inform on people they would rat people out all kinds of different stuff like that because they were it's nothing new is what i'm trying to say And, and the more that you research this stuff the more you find out that many of these people um operated in intelligence capacities that would surprise you i mean people in major league baseball have been recruited to work in intelligence people in um just all kinds of different areas and fields of life that you wouldn't expect um so we don't always know all the details but we can get a a pretty good picture and and you're right to point to like different mafias and whatnot so uh, what I tried to focus on in, in my books was just looking at the different cases to where films actually showed us stuff that was fairly or to some degree accurate in terms of history. Like, for example, if you watch Lethal Weapon, this was one that struck me that I put in part two was that the character uh, that Mel Gibson's playing, um, what's his name, like Mad Dog, or he's he's the crazy cop as right, opposed yeah. to you know yeah. Danny Glover being the straight cop. Um, it actually says in the script that he was part of the Phoenix program and the Phoenix program was the Vietnam program where they were basically trying to create crazy assassin killers. Now we don't know all the details of that, but, uh, Douglas Valentine has written a famous book on that. Um, but what's interesting is that, you know, this is when the uh, lethal weapon came out in like 89, nine, somewhere in there in the eighties, 87, maybe. 80, I don't know, 86. Off the top of my head, I don't recall it. But it was in the 80s, and, and most people didn't, weren't aware of the Phoenix program back then. But here you have Shane Black running the screenplay and talking about Phoenix program. And we, we get the impression, basically, that Mel Gibson's traumatized. He's, he could trigger it at any moment and kind of go off. And if you remember, the plot of Lethal Weapon 1 is about Iran-Contra. It's about the CIA trafficking, drugs, and they're bringing the drugs into L.A. And that all came out later as being true if you listen to Freeway Ricky Ross and his testimony about uh, drug trafficking and whatnot. So movies like Lethal Weapon, movies like Blow with Johnny Depp, you'll often notice there's kind of a connection between um, intelligence agencies, cartels, and then quite often we find out also Hollywood. Um, One other Mel Gibson movie that everybody forgets I'll, I'll mention too is that Mel Gibson and Robert Downey Jr. were in Air America. And Air America is about CIA Drug Traffic.
0: Are you at a crossroads in life with unanswered questions? How does your past connect to your present life? October Hallam can help you discover how your past connects to your present and is shaping your future. October is an intuitive, healer, empath, and medium with over 20 years of experience helping people navigate through some of life's greatest challenges. A recent client from Egypt says, October is pure magic. We keep coming back for more and recommended her to our closest friends. If you would like to book a session with October, please contact her at theancientgift222 at gmail.com. Yeah, exactly. Now. Another thing is uh, probably one of the best mainstream like uh examples that everybody probably knows about is Julia child's mm-hmm. uh involvement with intelligence and now we have kind of <coughs> it seems like modern days uh there are clues that maybe Ben Affleck and George Clooney may have ties with yeah. the CIA um yeah, what are your thoughts on on that?
1: Yeah, I think that that was kind of where I started really tumbling down the rabbit hole when I, when I first started noticing these kinds of things. I remember back when that movie Salt came out with uh, uh, Angelina Jolie, uh, she, there, I saw a little clip that was talking about how she had received CIA training for her role. And then I remember around the same time she joined the CFR, Council on Foreign Relations, and she was seen doing all this sort of jetting around doing this all globalist type stuff. And it's like, why is this, you know, Hollywood chick suddenly involved in all this geopolitical promotions of all kinds of different stuff? And she's she's reading the head. She was shown with books at the head of the CFR, and it's like, well, what is going on here? And then you start to realize that, well, this is not just Julia, uh, uh, Angelina Jolie, like you said, it goes back to people like Julia Child, who you know kind of pioneered cooking shows, cooking TV shows. Being a, she was in the OSS. And again, like I said, a lot of these A-list people, Not everybody, but a lot of these ALS people did and do have uh, C.I.A. connections and training, and and part of that is just because they're running in elite, wealthy circles. All right. So if you're um, if you're an intelligence agency, you want to watch and keep track on movers and shakers, right? Because they have a lot of power, a lot of influence. Um, so you're watching. You're you're in the circles of the corporate elite the ceos the billionaires right it's a big part of it and actors as well but sometimes actors are also recruited uh th- that there's a long history of that so i'm not saying that i know again for certain in all those cases but we do seem to see patterns that suggest that And i think that the people you have listed are good contenders for all that obviously uh especially a lot of the wiki that came out and talked about george clooney's stuff and then there was um in the case of Jennifer Garner, she actually openly was just doing PR work for the CIA. So um, there's many, many cases of this. And so once you realize that it's not really a bunch of spying in the sense of what most people think of being surveillance and black operations, um, it's more so, like we said, culture creation. I mean, there is an element of spying and surveillance, but a lot of what we're talking about is culture creation. It's, it's, being on the inner circles of things and doing what you're told to do uh
0: for an overall agenda and you had briefly mentioned about the uh, mob involvement and you did a great analysis on the godfather trilogy um how it basically tells us how the world is working you know once you advance through the series talk a little bit about that
1: yeah that's chapter two in the new book um and I kind of expanded on that and got into how the Godfather tells us these different aspects of the way the world works from, you know, and Godfather one is kind of localized. He's trying to, to come up in the world. By the time of Godfather two, the family is extending to uh, other areas in the U.S., namely to Vegas. Everybody knows Vegas is connected to the mafia. Um, And then in part three, he goes global. So part three is Michael Corleone taking his operation global. He starts to interact with the papacy. You know, he needs the Pope's approval for different things. And so I talked a lot about um, Vatican Bank scandal. I talked about um, the P2 Mafia, um, Operation Gladio, all that kind of stuff being all tied in together. Because that actually comes up, if if you're not aware, in Godfather 3. Now, most people don't think that it's the best movie of the godfather trilogy and i mean it's not but it's in many ways the most revelatory for geopolitics because it talks about these operations that we're talking about these kind of um p2 lodge being involved in gladio operation gladio which is the stay behind units during the cold war in europe um that's all that all comes up uh and it's mentioned in the screenplay so that kind of prompted me to do more background research into the godfather trilogy and i dug up all kinds of really fascinating things about how uh, i think i put that on uh, the end of chapter two where yeah it it goes into kind of that the that the decision to put al pacino as godfather the mafia had to actually approve that they actually so then what i connected that to was kind of the way that david lynch shows us uh, in mulholland drive kind of these kind of creepy mob figures and also in lost highway kind of making the decision on who gets what roles in what movies and uh i found you know a real world example of that in the case of the uh, godfather i'm trying to look and see who it was it's in the book uh uh, Super Mob by Gus Russo uh, where they cover this whole chapter on um, having to get permission from the mafia to do, to put Al Pacino in that role. So yeah. That's just one example of many.
0: Now um, I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the things going on right now that are pretty fascinating to me. Um, the, Basically, the exposing of the sex cults right now and, um, you know, the arrest of Epstein. So I'd just like to know what's your thoughts on the overall scheme of things? What's going on right now, you know? Well, both books, you'll notice, feature Kubrick.
1: That's Kubrick making the triangle eye scouting for film locations and that's eyes wide shut right on the cover of part one uh and so you know it's just really wild to me that because I wrote uh Esther Hollywood one over many years and you know just kind of picked the movies that I thought were important and sex cults in Hollywood comes up quite a bit Uh, And so the the book begins with esoteric occult occult aspects of Hollywood. And the first movie that I chose is Eyes Wide Shut because it's so obvious. And, you know, I actually wrote the Eyes Wide Shut analysis about 10 years ago. I sort of souped it up and and tweaked it and fixed it when I I published Esoteric Hollywood 1 in 2016. But even in 2016, people thought it was crazy to talk about this stuff. It was still unheard of. Um, but what was odd to me was that there was all kinds of cases that had already come out. I mean, there was all these books that had already dealt with it. Maybe not in the way that I talk about it in terms of film symbolism, but there was plenty of books that had like from a journalistic standpoint that had dealt with it. Like uh, Deborah Jean Palfrey, her book that talked about the, she was the DC madam. Uh, and she talked about how, you know, blackmail operated in D.C. Well, it's not any different anywhere else. It's not going to be different in Hollywood. The blackmail operates the exact same way. So, um, I heard about Epstein around 2016, but I didn't put it in in the book because most of the book was already written. But that was around the time that Epstein was first kind of making international waves because they had he had been convicted around that time uh, the, in relationship to the Prince Andrew situation. So there was some media coverage of that, as well as other elite kind of weird creeper type stuff. Savile had come out. Penn State had come out. Uh, Everybody probably knows about, you know, Boys Town and the um, VIP sex ring with the GOP from a long time ago. Uh, Franklin cover-up type stuff, right? So there was plenty of cases of this if people had been watching it in the news, and I had followed the Roman Catholic abuse scandals and, and read several books on that, five or six books 10 years ago on that. So I already had an idea of how prevalent this was. Um, and I don't really cover those kinds of cases. What I cover is the way that films present it. So I'm not like a journalist. I don't present myself. I'm not a journalist. I write books that do film analysis and culture analysis. That's what I do. I don't do journalism. So that's what this book is. And I think a lot of people are kind of surprised, like if they're expecting some kind of expose on who Britney Spears is sleeping with, that's not the kind of stuff that I do. It's like, I'm going to talk about, you know, what's the symbolic aspects of why Kubrick chose, you know, this scene, why he's got this in the background, why he's got, you know, the, the cult chanting this, why they're, why they're doing this in this scene. Uh, let me show you some elite parties that have come out where they're all wearing this eyes wide shut garb, you know, all this kind of stuff is what I talk about. And, um, you know, it's just crazy to me that the Nexium cult that ties in a lot of Hollywood people, the Epstein thing ties in a lot of the elites and it really confirms all the, the stuff that I wrote about.
0: It definitely does. And um, just your thoughts. Do you think that um, this trend is going to continue of exposing things like this uh, in the future? I,
1: that's a good question. You know, I, I wouldn't have expected any of this stuff coming out. So I'm kind of surprised that it has come out. I mean, it, it they will try to control those releases usually when this kind of stuff comes out. And they'll try to steer it into something like when that Weinstein stuff was coming out. Remember that? That was also... similar in the vein of Hollywood. And they tried to steer that into, Oh, this is uh feminism. Right. Um, and so Epstein, you know, whatever happened to him, he didn't last too long. (laughs) So, uh, you know, they, I guess they have ways of dealing with all this stuff, but, um, what more do we need once we know that all this stuff is real. Right. I mean, I'm not saying it shouldn't be exposed. I'm just saying that, you know, like, how much more do you need to know that it's real, you know? So, but I don't know how much more will keep coming out. That it'll be interesting to see. I'm kind of. I think they're kind of racing to debase the culture, so that when this stuff comes out, it'll be like not even a big deal because everybody's so degenerate by that or something. I don't know. Maybe that's what they're trying to do.
0: Now, uh, when it comes to the overall. Um power pyramid of who's in control of all this um how do you think that that goes do you think it's um you know the bankers at one of the top levels and i always wonder how much power the vatican actually has what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah i think that all of those structures uh, ultimately tie into you could say a pyramid um i don't know that they're always perfectly in line but I don't have a problem using the pyramid analogy. I think it's probably kind of different accurate. factions involved. Yeah. I mean, um, it's uh Rothkopf had a book where he talked about the 6,000 or so people who manage the world. So this would be the people, the top 6,000 CEOs, corporate people, people in NGOs, um, pharmaceutical companies, uh, the controlling interests in the various private federal reserve banks, the controlling stocks in the biggest corporations. That's who runs the world. Um, it's not specifically one racial or ethnic group, it's all these different groups and they're all united in the agenda to uh, essentially create a uh, single technocratic global government. Um, I believe that ultimately it's, it's a battle that's spiritual in nature. Um, I'm not going to say that I know for sure we're in the end times or anything like that. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't hazard to say that I know that for sure, but uh, it's definitely a—you could call it a beast type of system if you wanted to, because it's very predatory. It's beast-like for sure in terms of its spirit, um, and it it its it's preys on the weak certainly, and ultimately the philosophy is Luciferian. That's really what it's about.
0: And you know, we know these secret societies—they're—they're they're using doctrines that are thousands of years old. Um, do you think that they are actually still possibly in communication with uh, entities, uh, maybe otherworldly entities, um, demonic, archonic, whatever you want to call them? Do you think that there's still some kind of communication going on there? Uh,
1: yes, and that's why I think a lot of the uh, elements of the elite uh, enjoy hallucinogens uh, for that very reason because that's the quickest way to, you know, have that kind of an an interaction. And so that's why they have promoted shamanism. And um, I'm reading right now, for example, uh, Terrence McKenna, not because I agree with Terrence McKenna, but I'm doing an analysis of his book because just like Timothy Leary, he was kind of promoting all the same stuff Leary was. Um, And and they're pretty open about like within the first chapter of McKenna's book, he says basically the same stuff that, timothy leary says which is just that the hallucinogens are going to basically initiate everybody into a new luciferian age um now mckenna doesn't say the word luciferian but it's all the same stuff that the luciferians say so when we look at burning man for example we've been talking about this a lot on uh, boiler room the podcast we do uh and aaron and melissa dykes have come on to talk about this because they're going to be doing i think a some analysis of burning man but um Burning Man has all like all the top tech people that go there. Uh, and I didn't even know this, but there's like an inner secret society of tech people that go to Burning Man and, and, you know, they they do hallucinogens and whatever they do. And and so they believe that they are interacting with those kinds of things. I mean, I've done hallucinogens, so I know that you do experience that kind of stuff. It's not all made up. Um, I think, But I do think that it's ultimately a deception. I think that the entities that are communicating – uh, are not entities that are pro-human. They, they actually have a pretty consistent message of, oh, you need to kill everybody and create a world government. Just do a search of people's uh, DMT trip videos. Everybody who does DMT stories on YouTube, they all say the same thing. Well, I talked to the elves, and the elves told me that it's time to depopulate and create a world government, and that's the only way that we're going to survive the ecological catastrophes, man. They all say the same thing.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up that, you know, any time of there have someone channeling something, it, it always comes back with a message of the world needs to unify under, right. you know, one system. And I find that fascinating.
1: Yeah. They don't ever say like, uh, learn the, the logical fallacies, right? Like they don't ever tell you basic logic. They don't ever say anything like that. It's always the same, uh, uh, you know, we're here to make sure that everybody melds into a giant blob, the blob, right? It's like they're emissaries of the blob. And, uh, you know, get rid of all your um, preconceived notions and meld into the giant one. And this is interesting because this is what Huxley says. If you read the perennial philosophy by Huxley, that's what he says. He says, we'll, we'll create a new global blob religion that melds all the religions into one. And this is where the Vatican comes into play because the Vatican, I would say, has been uh, co-opted for a long time probably, but most clearly in the last century um, to really go along with the globalist agenda. And I think a lot of people had maybe problems with that decades ago, if you were to say something like that. But the present Pope has made that like totally obvious. <laughs> like every day he does a new, uh, uh, new level of, of like craziness where he's talking about let's sign an accord between all the religions. Let's create a new humanistic religion. Let's all get together and have the same. I mean, he's just going hog wild with it. So it's, it's becoming very apparent
0: now. And uh, another thing that's (laughs) fascinating to me is the whole alien mania right now. Um, I've had, I've had a, a lot of thoughts on this. And the more I think about it, the more I think that it's, There's something more behind the alien thing. I think maybe something more spiritual. Um, I start to think of the Greys as just maybe some kind of biological robots that are probably under control of something else, something maybe interdimensional, something different. And I look at the whole UFO thing a lot different than I used to.
1: Yeah, I like that documentary, Mirage Men, because it shows on the level of deception the degree to which military intelligence has utilized the alien phenomena to dupe people. So if you've not seen that documentary, it's really good. It's, I would say it's kind of a counter to that documentary of Bob Lazar, uh, which I thought was kind of silly. So if you watch those two documentaries and compare the two, uh, you'll notice that what Mirage Men presents is people who work in military intelligence, talking about how they pick people in the UFO community to give disinformation to. And a lot of times the people could be sincere. They, may, they really think that they're going to, you know, find out what's underground at Area 51 or whatever. And they don't have enough um, critical faculties maybe maybe to question, you know, when some general tells them something, Right. Generals and military, they, they lie. That's what intelligence agencies do is lie. They're trained to lie. That's their job. So the first thing we should be, the attitude we should have is anytime some general comes out talking about underground bases is skepticism, right? We should be dubious of this guy because uh, they're trained to lie. But, and, and all that's kind of dealt with pretty extensively in Mirage, man, um, which is uh, on Vimeo, by the way. You can find the documentary free on Vimeo. But um, that's just at the level of kind of like social engineering and 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 whatnot but i believe that yeah it's kind of the same thing as what you see with the all the dmt trip reports that people do they all talk about talking to the machine elves and then a lot of people who've had lsd hallucinogen type experiences this matches up to a lot of religious type ceremony experiences of talking to these entities and whatnot and I think it's all the same thing. I think that it's all describing the same phenomenon, not in every case. I mean, some people could be just hallucinating and thinking that they're doing it. But, but in many cases, I think that it's all the same spiritual phenomenon, excluding the cases of deception or when people are lying. Obviously that does go on too. For example, in Mirage Man, they talk about uh, the, in one case, the air force um, filmed a, um, uh, drone taken off like kind of a a direct up, I don't know what that's called, but vertical drone It just kind of goes straight up. And they had a bunch of lights uh, set up around it. And um, this was to tell one of the marks that they had that they were feeding the disinfo to (laughs) that this was a uh, UFO craft taking off of one of the military bases. And all it was was a drone that they set up and they just added in some special effects, right? And actually, that it was—I uh, think—some somebody from it was a Hollywood guy who was helping them out to film that. And but the the dupe, the alien researcher person—I don't remember who it was—but they just believed it because oh well, a general came in and he showed—he put a VHS in the, in the in the machine and we watched this alien craft take, and it was all fake. Um, but that guy accepted it. So excluding the cases where that's happened, um, I would say that these other instances of, of people's experiences and phenomena they seem to match up to uh religious experiences and lsd experiences and they're very similar to a lot of people's cases of ritual abuse mind control mk ultra type stuff so i actually think that there's a connection between mk ultra and the ufo stuff
0: and uh, i mean i'll I've come to realize that a lot of UFO stuff is just us it's the military um you know reverse engineering or doing whatever they do with this technology um and it's not even you know what what they say it is right. um what do you think is going on with with disclosure right now I mean right now we've got this area 51 nonsense going on um what do you think the agenda is here
1: My view is that they're really just ramping up and trying to regurgitate and reinvigorate the alien mythos. Um, I've always thought that the alien stuff is multi-tiered, multi-layered. There's a lot of intelligence deception stuff. There's a lot of mind control and ultra-related stuff and testing out what you can get people to believe and not believe. There's there's an interview, and I forget, one of the people in Mirageman actually talks about this too, where they say, he says something like, if you think about the MJ-12 documents, he says, consider this aspect of it that most people don't think about he says think about it more so as what do are we able to get people to think about aliens rather than thinking about does this prove or disprove aliens and that's come up in a lot of the books I've read about the alien stuff there's a good book by an academic uh, Brenda Densler and I cited her in my uh, Esther Hollywood too and she talks about not so much whether there is or isn't aliens or entities, but how does it function in social engineering? So I think that's a big point to understand is that I think the system is really interested in moving people's perceptions away from traditional religious concepts. This is why there was a Brookings Institute paper from the 1960s that I cite that actually talks about uh, how disruptive to religious views it would be to have disclosure. Um, so it's very useful for for worldview warfare, info war, uh which is the German for worldview warfare. So I think that's the best thing to understand first and foremost. And a lot of the people in I'm not speaking of you, just in general in, in the UFO realm of things, they don't think about it like that. Um, that's the way I've approached it typically. But I also differ from other people where I don't think that everything is military intelligence and Deception. I also think there's a spiritual interdimensional component to this stuff. It's all of those things.
0: <sighs>
1: and I, I think, think Jacques the- Vallée says that too. Like I'm not the only per- like I'm not saying I agree with everything Jacques Vallée says, but he's one of the, you know, UFO people who says all of these layers to it are, are part of it.
0: And I've heard uh, some reachers, researchers say that it, a part of it is also um, an excuse for them to roll out the new technology that they've yep. been hiding. Um, you know, their new toys and stuff. They also do that with uh, movies, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of the spy gadgets that we've seen over the years and the stuff that we see in Star Trek. Uh, you know, you've got intelligence agencies and you've got um, the Rand Corporation consulting on Star Trek. The whole bridge of the of the uh, enterprise, the automatic doors, the you know handheld communicators, this right—that was all kind of discussed on set and consulted for Star Trek by the Rank Corporation. A lot of people don't know that, but that's—I cited that in the book too. And uh, the spy gadgets, yeah, that's all true. Um, I was just watching. I did a, a sh- analysis of the Saint which is that 1997 Val Kilmer movie. I'm a big fan of that, of that movie. And I, I have watched it all these years, and I didn't even think about the fact that if it was way ahead of its time. It's dated now. But there's a scene where Val has this Nokia cell phone, and it has, um, like, it was, a, it was a flip phone, but it has all this kind of, like, it was a little computer, and it even had, like, a QWERTY keyboard and all this stuff. And nobody had seen that in 1997. So I was reading some of the history on the movie and they were talking about how like this was a special Nokia model. They allowed to be in the movie because, and it was like years ahead of right of the time or something like that. So um, that's just one example, but we've actually seen many, many cases of this in terms of especially the bond films or even mission impossible. I think that uh, uh, the mission impossible four or five, the one where Tom Cruise has those, those, those gloves where he's like climbing up the glass building in Dubai or wherever, um, those are real DARPA gloves. So that's another, you know, all of these kinds of things we've, we've seen, you know, people with retinal, uh, you know, cameras in their, their, um, um, contact lenses, this kind of stuff, all that kind of stuff I think is is eventually going to be rolled out. And usually you can tell in the science fiction novels, what's going to be 15, 20 years down the road.
0: Do you think uh, the superhero craze is also having to do with the transhumanism agenda?
1: It is. And I, I, I wasn't really convinced of that until the, uh, which Avengers, one of the Avengers movie, the one with the vision. Remember him? Yeah. Yeah. Vision is really what, cause I realized what, what he represents is like, he's a form of resurrection. And I heard a, a, a I don't agree with everything that Fritz says, but Fritz, Fritz has some, he, he was ahead of his time in a lot of his analysis and he had a talk that he did on uh, cloning. And one of the points he made in that, that, that has stuck with me that I think he's probably right about is that from the vantage point of AI and cloning and transhumanism, they see like the religious view of, of resurrection the Christian doctrine of resurrection, or I guess other monotheistic religions also have resurrection too. They see that as like, as a real thing, but it's, it's standing for technology. It's not a miracle that a deity will do. It's an encoded kind of secret of nature that if you discover the tech, right, you can basically build a new body to be immortal. And that's kind of what uh, vision represented because he he gets, doesn't he die and come back in the, in the movie? Yeah. So I started realizing that, that there's this resurrection motif for him. And, um, and then I think other installments of, of the Avengers hinted at that pretty clearly as well, but, but um, the Avengers uh, series I think was really about transhumanism. And and of course the character Iron Man, Iron Man is, is a, you know, another example of transhumanism for sure.
0: Now I know you write about geoengineering. Um, how does that tie into all this?
1: That's a good question. So um, I did a chapter in the the second book on how Hollywood has presented terraforming and geoengineering, which are real. Uh, So these projects are way more advanced than most people think. Um, I'm not claiming to know everything about geoengineering, but um, I did research that chapter pretty in depth. Um, And uh, once again, we have like the Bond series. We have sometimes weird movies that we wouldn't expect going back to Frank Herbert's novel Dune. You have a lot of geoengineering weather modification in Dune. So I covered the David Lynch uh, version of Dune. Um, And then I went into a lot of the research that was done on ELF and VLF. So the way that geoengineering ties into this is that just like with transhumanism, where you're trying to modify the man to create the new man, the new immortal man, the from the perspective of of the elite it's also about modifying man's environment it's not just man but also man's environment so it's kind of an attempt to rewrite the whole biosphere right so they want to alter and change and be able to essentially control um, not just man but also man's environment and that would include plant life that would include you know life in general so uh the weather ecosystems weather patterns that's part of life so Naturally, they would also want to commandeer and control the weather um, because ultimately it's kind of about achieving kind of sort of godlike status over all areas of things.
0: I also think they're changing us on a genetic level through our food as
1: well. That's a big part of it, sure.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's an overall perspective is I think what most people don't think that they don't think these things are connected or that it's a unified approach and program. and I can see why people don't think that because a lot of people don't read the top globalists, they'll read the news or whatever. And the news keeps you intentionally compartmentalized and disconnected. Like you're not supposed to make connections between different areas when you're a normie that reads the news. But if you are reading the top global elite, which for example, I did a, a lecture series called the globalism book series where I've gone through over 30 of the top global elites books in the last two years, three years, then you get a picture of how grand the scope and scale of the plans are. They're not just plans about, you know, Freemasons taking over religion. Like it's a global plan for all areas of life. And that's what a lot of people can't fathom. They can't fathom people thinking like this. And this once again, it's ironic because it's almost like we're, we're back on a bond novel where we have like Blofeld, you know, who wants to take over the world.
0: Now, if you take a step back and you look at everything happening today, uh, our reality is stranger than fiction. I mean, you look at Trump, you look at the things that happened with the last election, the things that are going on socially, um, you know, how how backwards everything has become. Um, One thing that I've always thought is I've never trusted any politician. I think that they're both uh, both sides are puppets uh, for, you know, for the elite. Uh, I'd like to know what you think is going on with Trump. Um, do you think that he's actually what people think he is, what the Q uh, crowd says he is, or do you think he's just another puppet like the rest of them?
1: Honestly, I don't really have an opinion on Trump. I, I've, I've become less and less interested in politics over the years. Uh, I'm, you know, 10 years ago, yeah. I was pretty politically active. I was really into like the Ron Paul and all that kind of stuff. and um. I'm not saying that it's totally pointless to be involved in maybe local politics could do something, but on a national level, it just really seems like a dog and pony show and a big waste of time and, and, and effort and energy and people get mad over it. And it's not even worth uh, much time in my view. So, I mean, I will watch the news and see what's happening and I'll keep up with some aspects of it. And I think Trump has done some good things and he's done some goofy, fumbled up, stupid things. So, yeah, I don't really follow the political realm anymore. What's more, much more interesting to me is the bigger question issues of where are the global elite taking us in the next 20, 30, 40 years? Because it doesn't matter what presidents come. The presidents come and go, but the agenda marches on, and that's the big thing that nobody understands. And, and I think that they really really like you getting caught up in, you know, the drama of uh, what porn star slept with who, or you know, all this nonsense. Um, and the technocratic agenda, for example, just marches on.
0: Yeah, I think it's they're just trying to divide people um, with politics in general. It's all about, you know, control and division.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I honestly can, I can honestly say that uh, I kind of tuned out of politics like the last two years. I don't even really, pay. I mean, other than like when I see it in the news or something that, you know, kind of track like the big stories or something here and there. Uh, but like, like 10 years ago, I would be following like 30 news sites a day, you know, really like just scanning tons and tons. I don't do that anymore. I don't give a shit about that anymore. I don't even follow any news feeds, but I, I, because I do have a you know mediocre little following, um, I do have quite a few people that will send me articles every day. So I kind of have you know, 50 to a hundred core people that send me, Key articles and essays and this kind of stuff. So I'll keep up with with whatever that stuff touches on politics. But I don't I don't follow politics anymore. Now I'll talk about it. Um, I don't mind talking about it. But um, what I really want to stress is that people need to understand the big picture.
0: How far do you think this new censorship trend is going to go? I mean, I've already been heavily affected by it. I'm sure you have too. Yeah. Um, do you think they're just going to shut down all alternative media sources?
1: Uh, they're definitely going to try. I don't know how far they'll get or, or what kind of ways people will come up with, maybe creative ways to kind of circumvent that or in the meantime or, or kick the can down the road maybe. I, I'm not sure, but um, I'm afraid that, that they want to take a lot of the – uh, public kind of stuff and channel it into Netflix type paid streaming sites. And I'm guessing speculating they probably are just going to have a few chosen say channels. Like maybe you get the top 500 channels that get check marks. Um, and they're allowed to stay on and put out information and everybody else just kind of gets squeezed out and demonetized. That's probably what they'll do. Um, But I think that the plan has been for a long time. When when we started seeing the social media come about, that's what this was about. Social media was preparing us for getting everybody onto centralized platforms so that the, the information could be controlled and channeled. And ultimately, I think what they'll try to do is have access points to where nobody has websites or gets access apart from some kind of approval Um, I don't know how they'll do that exactly, but they're going to definitely try to do that. And ultimately the bad news is that we're going to, they want to have this kind of credit score system where you don't get a website, you don't get your credits, you don't get anything like that unless you're a good little boy. And if you do what the system says, you don't say bad words, you don't do this or that, uh, you get your, your credits. That's part of why the technocrats want a universal basic income, um, if, you, if they have you on a use of universal basic income, then they can control you through, it's basically just being on global globalist welfare and they'll shut off your welfare if you don't do what they say.
0: Well Jay, I wanna thank you so much for joining us. That was fantastic information. What about you? Do you have anything interesting coming up? You're working on anything new?
1: Um, really what I've done is just kind of transition into, um, consistently doing talks on philosophy, on theology, religion, um, symbolism and film. And I've kind of restructured the the way I do the film analysis now to where I do uh, a live stream where I do about three or four movies with a similar theme. So for example, the last one I did was Val Kilmer movies. So we picked four or five Val Kilmer movies that were interesting. You know, we did Willow, we did The Saint, we did, uh, Spartan, um, Batman forever. Cause there's some really weird stuff in Batman forever. Uh, I did a, uh, Conan, the barbarian stream before that. So I did an alien demon overlord stream about alien movies before that. So that's, I think what I'm going to keep doing with the film analysis is doing it that way. Um, and then I'll just keep, keep doing the, uh, uh, you know, philosophy and, and, uh, religious talks and debates like I've been doing. So that's, what's coming up for me. And, um, uh, if anybody wants you can get signed copies of the books in the shop at my website and uh, please get them for me and not Amazon. So that's, that's all that's coming up for me.
0: Very good. Well, thanks again so much for joining us and we'll have to have you back on in the future. All right. Thanks man. I appreciate it.